Station 13 may cover topics that are not suitable for all listeners, such as death, body gore, and homicide, not to mention the paranormal. We also like to swear on occasion. Viewer discretion is advised. Welcome back to Station 13. Grab a glass of wine and put your kids to bed. This is DJ Void, signing back on. On top of today's episode, we have an urgent call to aid for those affected by the Hawaiian fires. As some of you may be aware, these fires roared through Maui earlier this month, and there are reportedly around 388 people still unaccounted for. While the start of these fires are still being investigated, it seems they are currently blaming Hawaii Electric for not taking proper precautions with their power lines. This has left several Hawaiians disheveled, with the loss of family members, jobs, and housing. It is our time as a community to donate what we are able to, so if you have some money you wouldn't mind parting with, now is the time. There is a link on our Community Causes page located on the station13.com that will send you to a Google Docs page of current GoFundMes for those affected. I personally will be donating to a few of them with money I am able to part with, so all I can ask is that some of you find it in your heart to do the same. Remember, the Community Causes page is there to help. If you find yourself in a situation where you are in need of help, feel free to reach out through the website mentioned above to be added to our Community Causes page. Thank you. Alright, welcome back everyone to Station 13. It is wonderful to have you all with us again. Today is ramping up to be a rather exciting show if the brief glimpse I snagged at my email has anything to say about it. For starters, the 100th annual State Scare is right around the corner, and the sponsors this year are looking amazing. It is said that due to its proximity this year to Whitewater, that the titular mayor, Professor Bites, will be hosting a dunk tank to fund the recovery and relocation of Whitewater Scoops. Now remember, ladies and gentlemen, the State Scare is a semi-mandatory event. You must partake in at least one day of the week-long event. Any absences will be noted, the consequences of which are yet unknown. Even I will be in attendance as the only member of the Station 13 crew that is required to be. Anywho, with the announcement of the State Scare, remember to tightly lock every entry to your home on the nights you do not attend. This is for your safety. All right, all right. I once again must air out my neighbor's dirty laundry. Let's see what we have today. I've picked up a bad habit of throwing rocks at the large birds to keep them out of my yard. The other day I actually hit one, and now I'm scared of the ramifications. Oh, wow, bud. Wow. Aren't you just an asshole? But it's not my job to judge. It seems the birds have done that already, judging by the boulder I saw in someone's car this morning. My daughter wishes to confess that she has been putting food coloring in the outdoor water bowls. Apparently someone at school told her it would change the creature of the woods to a different color. <laughs> that myth is still around. 
Rest assured, this doesn't hurt the beings. But if you wanted to actually change colors, put the food coloring in the mud puddles around your home. Then the next time the lovely critter goes to cool off, they'll come out a nice shade of green. Or blue. I stopped promoting the population of rabbits after your warning. I was not prepared to receive veiled threats from the owls they were feeding. How do I stop this? I'd like to live. Oh, gods above, you have to do it slowly or the owls catch on. For now, avoid going out at night. After a few weeks of not seeing you, they should calm down a little bit. Alright, last one for now, as these are becoming too goofy to handle. Let's see here. I fought a giant owl trying to take my dog. I know it just wanted food because it was hungry, but that's my baby. I feel immensely guilty for doing so. Gods above, I'm glad your fur baby is okay. I suggest hitting up Paws and Claws for a coyote vest. Due to the increasing size of owls, the vest now comes in sizes extra 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 small to extra 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 large. <sighs> well, now that I have trudged through that, let's head over to the news. Unfortunately, Garth was busy this week taking the creature that stares through his window to the vet. It seems the skin condition it was suffering from hasn't gotten better. So for today, I have called in a special guest. Let's head over to my friend Autumn for the news. Hello everyone, Autumn here, covering for Garth Strongwater. Now, Void probably already mentioned that the State Scare starts this week. This is your friendly reminder that the State Scare is semi-mandatory, and your absence will be noted. So don't forget to show up to at least one of the events the State Scare brings, and as Void noted, lock every entryway into your home on the nights you do not. We do not need a repeat of last year's incidents. In other news, there is a pileup of cars on Highway 41 leading south. Luckily, there are only minor injuries to be reported. It was said the pileup was caused by a kind driver who stopped for a large unknown creature crossing the road. The investigation is ongoing, but so far this large unknown creature cannot be found. I am mandated to let you all know to avoid Highway 41 for the time being, as the WDPCA believes this might be a spectra, and until professionally removed, this type of accident may occur again. That's all I have for you today. Back to you, Void. Autumn, thank you so much for covering in for Garth today. It really makes a difference when we can have someone read the news. However, I am saddened to hear about the pileup on I-41. I do hope that is figured out shortly, and I'm glad no one got seriously injured. Alright, now let's head into those juicy emails. This first one is from an old friend who worked as a field reporter for Station 13. He has since left the station, but apparently has some juicy information to share with me. Let's dig in. Hello, Void. It seems I have some unfortunate news for you. That creature of the woods you read about a few months ago? Weaver? Well, it isn't... It wasn't the only one of its kind. After listening to your second night on the air, I did some digging on other logging sites around the area. You see, the story you shared seemed eerily familiar to other tales I picked up while backpacking around Wisconsin. It seems these spider-like puppeteers have been around for quite a while, only evading the WDPCA because their habitats were wiped out as soon as they were discovered. Actually, I managed to contact the WDPCA about this, thanks to the old connection we had through Shelley. 
They are now fully aware of the situation and are working on a way to prevent these creatures from popping up in the future. For now, I figured you'd appreciate the research I managed to find. It's honestly just some old stories regarding this creature, but I know you love hearing the tales of beasts and monsters, especially those that are haunting your home state. You'll find them scanned in below. Oh, I am so excited, Zach. You truly are a treat. Let's dig into these stories you so kindly found for us. Let's see here, starting from the top. I saw my father in the woods this morning. For a moment, I thought maybe he wasn't dead after all, that the telegraph I got from his boss was just a dream. But then I saw it lying on the table. My brother, who I had yet to inform, ran out to greet him before I could get the words out of my mouth to stop him. My brother is gone now, too. Standing in the woods along with my father on the edge of our property. I had to watch the creature's arm pierce through his chest, now bulging with dead leaves as he went to hug our father. I've been keeping the blinds closed now. I can't bear to witness their bodies rotting away along the wood line. When their corpses fall, I'll salt the woods. Oh, that poor dear soul. It says here that this was the last journal entry from a young woman named Martha. I do not wish to imagine why this was her last entry. Let's see what the next one holds for us. I made a friend in the woods today. She wouldn't tell me her name, but she did let me play with her babies. Though she kept saying I'd make a great toy for them. Under her breath. I wonder what she meant by that. She also showed me her collection of bones. They were really neat. I hope I get to play with her and her kids again. God's above us. It says that this note was written in a journal owned by a little boy who went missing a few years later. His mother was always adamant she could see him playing in the woods, but was too scared to enter due to the local paranoia about them. My prayers go up to the people affected by these weavers. I hope they are resting in a better place. Let's read the last one. It's actually a few separate letters that a woman named June received back in the 1830s. Letter 1 reads, I've been experiencing some issues at our work site recently. Employees are wandering off and not coming back to their bunks. I was warned by the head foreman when we set out to put together another camp that these things happen, but I really wish he told me why. I think I've lost about three guys now, and I don't know what to tell their families. They aren't going home because the letters keep coming. Junie B, do you think you could ask Carla if her Tucker has written her recently? All my love. Letter 2 gets much more unnerving. Hey, Junebug. Things aren't going too hot here. I lost another three men in the last week. The strangest thing is, the others say they still see them out in the woods, sometimes. Nothing's come of it, but it's starting to get under my skin. Every once in a while, I think I see a couple of glowing eyes from out near the shit pits. It's honestly really starting to freak me out. I've got goose pimples just thinking of it. I am not comforted by the fact you say Tucker hasn't written home. Who just up and leaves his family? Give Carla a hand with the kids if you can. Ours are almost grown up, and she just had a baby boy. Gods, I just hope you and the kids are faring better. Is Johnny still doing a good job looking after the horses? If he isn't, I sent some extra money to hire a farmhand in this letter. 
I hope it reaches you safely. All my love. And the last letter of the three is where it finally unravels. Junie B, I hope you know I love you with all my heart, and that I'd never leave this earth willingly. If this is my last letter, please let the men know not to come out here. Over the last week, I've lost the last of my men. One by one, they went to take a shit and never came back. I'm... I'm scared, June. I'm so absolutely terrified. I had planned to come home, but I don't think that's likely. You see, my sweet bean, I've seen them in the woods. Their eyes rotten or plucked from their body, standing and staring at me from the edge. Their bodies being puppeteered by a strange, viscous string. I don't know what has trapped me here, but it doesn't intend to let me go. I'm just hoping this last letter makes its way to you. Zack goes on to write that June reported sightings of her husband Robert's body in the woods, and when she finally snapped, she set the woods on fire. Smart woman, that one. It's unfortunate to hear that the weaver we read about wasn't the only one. I just hope the WDPCA doesn't find more of these creatures in this day and age. Anyway, let's take a short break for commercial. Thank you everyone for joining us today on Station 13. Today we are highlighting Lyric Dimmig of Lapcat Creations and Rain of Paracosm Entertainment. Lyric provided Station 13 with its wonderful podcast cover art, the opening tune, and their voice as Garth Strongwater. If you like their work or would like to view other pieces they have for sale, including some very cute knit items, check out their website, lapcatcreations.square.site. That's L-A-P hyphen C-A-T hyphen C-R-E-A-T-I-O-N-S dot square dot site. Rain lends their voice to our wonderful weathercaster, Misk, and you can find their voice elsewhere on their podcast, Onward and Onward, and Paracosm Entertainment on Twitch and YouTube. Would you like your horror story to be featured on Station 13? Or maybe your own favorite local cryptid? And what about your newest music? Maybe you even wish to support what we endeavor to do here and help our staff feed their fluffy co-hosts. Well, head over to thestation13.com. That's T-H-E-S-T-A-T-I-O-N 13.com for the link to our Patreon and submission information. We'll see you there. All right, busting back into the other emails I got for today's episode, it looks like I was linked to a Reddit post I might find interest in. Let's see here. Looks like this post is titled, Something is Living in My Walls. Let's see where this strange title leads us. I, 22 male, live alone in a small one-bedroom house that was left in my grandparents' will. It's a quaint little home, and I've been here for about a year and a half now. For the longest time, it seemed to be one of the most normal places I've called home. You see, my childhood home was severely haunted. But that's for another story. Anyway, a couple of months ago, I got myself a cat. The house had what I assumed was a little mouse problem, so I adopted one of my friend's mousers. She seemed to settle right in, no problem, using the litter box and no desire to run out the door like you'd expect. Every once in a while, she'd even give me a little gift. 
However, it wasn't as frequent as I'd expect with the amount of chittering I could hear in the walls. It wasn't until a few weeks later that the chittering finally drove me mad, so I packed up my new little baby and booked a hotel for a few days while I had an exterminator come through. Wasn't my little pumpkin's fault she couldn't catch them all, so don't worry, she's staying with me forever. Anyway, I paid a hefty sum for the exterminator and expected to come home to a mostly silent house. That wasn't the case, unfortunately. Upon returning and settling myself and Pumpkin back in, the chittering continued. I called the exterminator the next day and they swore up and down they had killed every pest in the house and relocated anything bigger than a rat to a field up north. They even sent pictures with the fully cleaned spaces between the walls. Of course, with the amount I paid, you could say I wasn't thrilled. So the following day they came back out to take a look around, and surprisingly couldn't find a single thing proving the existence of new inhabitants. With that, I just kind of let them off the hook. Can't do much if I'm hearing things. Fast forward a few more weeks and Pumpkin has become obsessed with the walls, scratching and pawing at them almost rapidly. That night, I got her into bed after convincing her to eat some wet food and was feeling a little relieved that she was relaxing a bit. I fell asleep shortly, only to be awoken by a sharp hiss and a yowl. Forcing my eyes open and my body out of bed, I was met with a tall, imposing figure shadowing the wall in front of Pumpkin. I had initially assumed it was a burglar before my eyes cleared and I could see the thousands of bugs making up the figure. Needless to say, I almost shat my boxers. It took moments for me to snatch Pumpkin off the floor and get us into my car. That's where we spent the night until I was able to talk myself into going inside to get clothes and my car keys. I've been staying in a hotel since. It's been about two days and I'm riding here to ask if anyone has ever seen something like this or had it happen to them. And if so, is there any way to get rid of them? Honestly, I think I'll have to sell the house and move somewhere else at this rate. I did take Pumpkin to the vet the day after the incident. The vet said she's mostly fine, but had some bug bites all over her ears and toes. Right now, she seems alright. She's on some allergy medication and some skin cream. She'll probably never forgive me for the cone on her head, though. Anyway, does anyone know what the hell I'm dealing with here? Alright, let's dig into the comments before I give my two cents. One user writes, I wonder if you're dealing with the Nine Hells Bug or NHB. They're notorious for being difficult to kill and driving people out of their homes to take over and expand their nests. They're about the size of a fly and breed incredibly quickly. Another user pops into agree. Yeah, that definitely sounds like the NHB. They're surprisingly common in the Midwest due to the climate. If you're not from the Midwest, I'd check the United States Cryptid Registry website. They may have it listed somewhere. Hmm. It seems the comments found out what it was almost instantly, as OP confirmed he lived in the Midwest. Nine Hells bugs are a breed of beetle. They're known for reproducing at an almost unbelievable rate. They aren't necessarily deadly to animals as big as cats or humans, but they're damn near impossible to live with. They will go out of their way to do anything in their power to claim whatever territory you're inhabiting as their own. Simply so that they may reproduce in peace. Judging by the bites on poor Pumpkin, it seems she may have been viewing them as a tasty little treat for a while there. 
I'd suggest calling the WDPCA or whatever local chapter of the Department of Paranormal Encrypted Activity you have in your area for removal. They actually do a pretty clean job from what I hear. Anyway, let's head on over to the weather. Hey everyone, Miss K reporting on the weather. Looks like the rainy season's finally coming to an end and the heat is dying down, just in time for the beginning of the 100th annual state scare. So we'll have a few clear weeks ahead of us, but please be cautious of random windstorms. As autumn approaches, the wind gods do like to become little menaces. However, with the horrors at a record low this year, it may actually be safe from the worst of it. For now, anyways. We're looking at highs of 90 degrees and lows of 65 degrees for the remainder of this week, so don't put away those water stations just yet. If you plan on attending the state scare in the late afternoon, I would suggest bringing a light shawl or a compact umbrella for the late night rain spurts. That's all for me today. Back to you, Void. Tell your furry co-host hi for me. Oh, I was so glad to hear that it's finally beginning to cool down. The wind, however, I am not too excited for. I've been plagued with the most horrific tornado nightmares recently. It's left me rather rattled. Oh, and of course, Misk, I will make sure to tell the little fur babies hello. They're actually outside the recording booth right now, causing a ruckus with a new floppy fish toy. I am, however, sorry to hear you are feeling under the weather. I do hope you recover soon, and if not, I'll have to send you some of my grandmother's patent medicine. Alright, with the weather out of the way, let's head into our first report of an out-of-state cryptid. This report will focus on a fluffy creature we are already familiar with. Let's get to it! Illinois, located just south of Wisconsin, has its own tales of the titular dogman that I covered in the first show I hosted for the return of Station 13. Of course, once again their research is skewed and spread across the web to dig out to the best of my ability. For now, I'll start with a recounting from 1991. This tale is from two young men who found themselves on an impromptu mini-road trip, due to one of them returning from a job down south. On this trip, it is said they were passing Bertinetti Lake, located in Christian County. That is where the real meat of the story began. The men claim a canine-like creature jumped out of a freshly dug ditch, cleared their car, only to land in the newly dug ditch on the other side. An impressive feat, if I do say so myself. They claim the creature then beelined it into the woods at an impressive speed, reporting that it had gray and light brown fur and was on all fours. Of course, both men, frightened by this encounter, sped their way out of the area. The driver of this road trip did some of his own research on this event and was able to find a tale of a woman who saw a very similar creature in a similar scenario. They even say they returned to the same area, now filled with houses, and came to notice that a surprising number of animals went missing there, as the posters just littered the streets. Now, let's take it back a few decades to the year 1973. An anonymous man writes about a story from his wife's childhood living in Chicago. The man claims his wife was only 11 years old when this event occurred and was residing in inner-city Chicago, away from any lakes or woods. Her story starts the night of a sleepover she was having with some of her cousins, where it is claimed the family dog woke them up around 4 a.m., they say the dog was growling and standing prone, looking through one of the basement windows. 
Due to sparse lighting from the street, the girls were able to see just the rough outline of something staring at them. Of course, with this discovery, the girls let out a sharp scream, alerting the older cousins upstairs. From their account, they claimed to have run out the door after hearing of the peeping Tom. They recounted later that they saw someone running away and took chase after them. It took them a good bit to get a glimpse at what they were chasing, but they all claimed it looked like a large werewolf. Eventually, they lost sight of it and returned home, assuming it was just a man in a very realistic costume pulling a prank. The original poster and his wife, however, knowing what they know now, both assume it was a dogman. Alright, let's fast forward one more time to a short story from 2022, before diving into one without a date. A man named Robert Charlesworth claims to have seen the dogman under bizarre circumstances. This event took place in Ridge Farm, Illinois, where Robert said he was outside having a smoke when he heard loud scratching noises coming from the opposite side of the street. He found himself brave enough to go investigate, and what he saw was a hairy creature on all fours with a humanoid body. And it took off at frightening speeds when he got too close. Robert claimed it looked at him for a second first, before running into a cornfield. He proceeded to claim it was no normal dog or coyote, and that they should probably be looking into it. Now, to the sighting without a date. A poster named Shell claims to have spotted the beast in Woodford County, Illinois. They state that for a period of a few months they've heard strange noises and noticed weird activity around their home. One night, around 4am, their dog started acting up pacing and generally wanting to leave the house. So, they conceded, but before opening the back door, they turned on the floodlights, because their gut was telling them something just wasn't right. Upon doing so, they were met with the visage of a large wolf-man hybrid. They claim it had a proportionate head with pointed ears and amber-colored eyes, similar to the Wisconsin sightings. It was similar in color and head shape to a German shepherd, Shell claims it had broad shoulders with accentuated deltoid muscles, its torso sunken in towards the abdomen like a dog's, and no neck. Because of its massive head, it had an extremely forward-leaning posture of about 60 degrees and defined muscles in the legs that bent in the shape of a dog's hocks. Shell stated that it did seem built for running and jumping, as the earlier story claimed its ability to jump a roadway. Despite this overly detailed description, Shell says that the creature walked off after only a few moments, traveling back into the cornfields behind their property. They then went on to state they could still see its head towering over the eight-foot-tall stalks of corn. With the similarities the dogman of Illinois shares with that of Wisconsin, I do truly wonder if these creatures have been roaming for longer than any of us can note. Anyway, that wraps up my short dive into the Dogman of Illinois. For now. Dogmen are actually surprisingly common in every state. I believe I'll dig into them again in the future. Maybe I'll start each state with its own tale of the Dogman from now on, just to keep it consistent. Next week, I shall bring to you a report on the Illinois' very own Beast of Busco. Probably one of my favorite reptilian cryptids, if I'm being honest. Uh, anyway, before I forget, I have an update on the feline I love to loathe. <laughs>
Patches was sighted around Black Creek last week. It seems her new favorite activity is hunting down local farmers' livestock. It seems that the locals have now taken matters into their own hands and are offering a $20,000 tractor supply gift card for Patches to be dealt with. I wonder if this will finally be an end to our faux feline friend. Alright, it's time for me to say goodnight, everyone. Pleasant dreams, and don't let the nine hellbugs bite. It's 10 p.m. Do you know where your children are? DJ Void, signing off. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this week's episode of Station 13. A special thanks to Lyric of Lapcat Creations and Rain from Onward and Onward for their voices on the show, voicing Garth Strongwater and Misk, respectively. If you're looking to get another fix of fun and horror, why not give Dangerous Times at Chillhaven High a listen? They're currently on hiatus, and now would be a great time to catch up on their prior adventures in the Monster of the Week TTRPG. If you'd like to contact us to submit a cause or story, support our endeavor, or hire a voice actor from the cast, please check out thestation13.com for contact details. We also now are proud to announce we have a temporary Redbubble linked through the station's website, featuring some of the lovely critters and organizations from our show. We also are proud to announce that we are opening our station's Discord channel to the public. Check the notes of the podcast for a link to join us. Come suggest cryptids and stories for the show. Anyway, stay safe out there, and we'll see you all next time.